episode 32 of Jake's World, presented by the Nuance Magazine. I'm your host, Jake Sawinski, and today is finally the best month, September. September 1st, 2020. Even though this entire year has kind of seemed to just run along like one big shit-filled month of fucking doom, but... It is September. I believe September to be the best month ever because, um, one, I'm born. I was born in September. I've got, like, two, three other college buddies born in September. Um, the weather. I love summer. I love it hot. But there's something about September, late August, early September, where it's cold in the mornings. It's, it's warm, too hot. In the afternoons, and then end of September, you get the brisk. Brisk, where am I going with it? Cold morning, it's 50s, 60s. If it's cold September, it's sweater weather. Crew necks, I'm a huge crew neck guy. Long sleeve, you know what I mean. Crew it's fucking sick. Football, college football, darties. I haven't been able to experience my typical fall just because, you know, played college baseball. We always had fall baseball. I'm going to really get into football. Oh, it just stinks that Big Ten football is going to be on the back burner. I mean, there's talks of it starting late October. Who knows? I'm not getting my hopes up. But I love September. Just can't get enough of it. Been falling off the wheels a little bit with getting a consistent two shows out every week, but there is reason, good reason is up for debate, but two weeks ago, yeah, two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, 2K Gaming, or 2K Games, whoever does that, I don't know, I think it is 2K, came out with a new golf game, PGA Tour 2K21, and I'm addicted to it, like... Like, people are addicted to cigarettes, or chewing tobacco, or anything. Uh, It's humbling, just like real golf. But, the glimpses that I have, the glimpses of greatness on this game, it's like real golf, I'm serious. There are days where I play so well, it's like, those good days keep you coming back for more, right? And the bad days are, it's enough to where I know I can do the good thing on a good day and I want to keep playing. I like the online element of the game. I mean, I'm going to just go into PGA golf a little bit just because I'm a golf nerd. I'm terrible at it in real life. And this game is the only place that I could live out one of my hobbies, like being good at, right? couple buddies of mine we play like you know four or five nights a week online that's cool that there's an online element of it you don't have to play in one room like you used to have to do on like um, Rory McIlroy's PGA Tour Tiger Woods PGA Tour whatever one you want to play right the online element's nice I love the um, the career mode 
where you have to, you know, you play, you set your weekend schedule, right? You can do one event a week, you know, speed it up. I do four. So you got to do the traditional Thursday, Friday, make cut, Saturday, Sunday, compete. And then you got to win majors, right? Or win tournaments and then qualify for the FedEx Cup. That's really cool, right? The only thing I don't like, well, there's two things, three things. First one, you cannot play as actual golf players on this game. Justin Thomas is the cover athlete for the game, right? Terrible camouflage pants, by the way, but you can't play as anyone in the like on the tour. The older games, that's all you could do. You could do like a career style thing, and you made a creative player, and he got better as you progressed. Um, now I just have another thing, but I'll continue with the review. You can't play as Tiger Woods or Rory McIlroy or Justin Thomas or Dustin Johnson or Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka can't play as any of those guys, and that would be a fun element to have in the game. The old games, that's what you did. I was always a Ricky Fowler guy. Come on, Ricky. I played with Ricky Fowler better in the game than he does in real life because I would win. But that's one thing I don't like about it. It's probably the biggest downside, honestly. The second thing, the second thing is um, there's no progression for your player, right? You get better by upgrading your clubs, upgrading your equipment. And you can do a lot of customization things, which is really cool. And there's in-game sponsors, like the new set of clubs I want are Callaway Mavericks. You can get those in the game. If you play casually and you have a set of hand-me-down tailor-mades, you can get tailor-made gear. Bridgestone. Um, Ping's on there, I believe. Um, Golf club. There's all kinds of sponsors with... You know, your clothes, your shoes, your hat, your sunglasses, wristwatch, pants, polos, like Ralph Lauren. It's all in there. And they did a really good job of giving you customization for your appearance. And I guess they made upgrading simple just because you can unlock a new driver or a new lob wedge, new 60 degree wedge. But you can't get better with the set clubs you have. Once you have a good club based on your preference, how you play, that's really it. You can't, you know, increase five yards on your drive based on your performance in game, things like that. It would be nice if they had a little bit of an element in there where, I mean, you can't like do Bryson DeChambeau workouts in the game, of course, but I mean, you could, it could be a little more complex than just, okay, you have enough coins to unlock another driver. I think they fell a little bit short on that. But the customization aspect is very, very good. Third, this isn't a critique as much as it is me getting Costanza-style pissed that I'm so inconsistent with it. On the old version of the game that college buddies and I always played, it was really simple when you actually swung the club. 
left stick down and back up. Didn't matter. I mean, it did matter a little bit how fast you were. You know, the rhythm. It, trying to mimic a rhythm on an actual golf swing, which makes sense. But for each club you swung, or each type of swing you went to attempt, it was always the same tempo. That didn't matter. So you could get consistent with everything fairly quickly. You have to go straight. I mean, if you go to straight down and then you go up to the right, it's going to be a slice and hook, vice versa. But off the tee box with a driver, it's different. An iron, you have to be a little faster in the front swing. Wedges, same thing. A flop shot to a pitch shot to a chip to a normal shot. It's all different, and it's kind of challenging to get, you know, perfect and straight in the right direction all the time. And it's a little frustrating, for sure. And I know you can pick clubs that are a little more forgiving. Like, they have a forgiveness factor, a distance factor, a shot control, spin rate, things like that. But, oh, is that frustrating when you hit a boomer off the tee... And then you have a pitching wedge. You're 90 yards away. You're too... I'm good at the flop shot. I got that down to where I can put it, you know, 5 to 10 feet from the cup. It's frustrating when you're too short for a full shot with your 60-degree wedge. And too far for a flop shot with your pitching wedge. That in-between distance is kind of tough for me and, like... Got one buddy who loves a pitch shot. My other buddy and I who play hate it. I'm pretty good at those flop shots. Getting better at chipping. And I'm a wizard on the green. Like I read putts like nobody's business. We're getting there though. And it seems like every time I play on a four uh, round tournament, I play two and a half round 12. And then I splash it once. I shank one. And then it's like just, it's a fucking Colorado avalanche, right? So that's another aspect of the game that it's not bad. It's just, it's frustrating as hell. And the last thing I could really think of was um, the graphics of the game itself, right? Now this game is called PGA Tour 2K21. The graphics are, you know, they're not terrible for a company's first venture into a game like this, but they're by no means, you know, ahead of their time, right? You have a huge budget with 2K Basketball. EA Sports has a huge budget with Madden and NHL. Could 2K done a little better in making... You know, the visuals a little better. A little, like, do trees really look like trees? Are grass, different cuts of grass, do they look like different cuts of grass? Could that look a little smoother, a little more realistic? Yeah. But, I mean, it's not like a glaring um, weakness by any stretch, to me anyways. But then I was doing some reading on this subject before I talked about it today. And 
some people are like, oh, the graphics are terrible. And like, I mean, that's kind of a mute point for me. I just thought it was noteworthy to highlight that. And I hope to God that they don't make a new one of this every year unless they totally plan on overhauling, you know, the courses you can play or... Well, that's another thing. They do have created courses that you can do, and you can go online and rate them and play them, which is cool. But I'd like to see it in the game. Like, it would be cool to see Augusta in the course, even though with the licensing to get the ma- where the Masters are played into the game will never happen. Unless this knock- the budget is so knockout, hit it out of the park, that you can afford that. But it's never going to happen. But, you know, all those courses where they play the PGA Championship at, it would be cool to have, like, almost a database of not user-created courses, but company-coded courses that you can access. Like, you know, whether it's a couple dozen or even a couple hundred. There are hundreds and thousands of, you know, country clubs all across the country where people would love to play. That would be cool if it was a little more... You buy the game or maybe they perfect it next year and then they just add a database you know every year don't release a new game just do like a map pack or a course pack like you know how call of duty would do little mac or mac map packages you know they would give you a little bit of extra content that would be really cool i wish they would go that direction but that remains to be seen no i'm not that big of a nerd so yeah 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 no more 2k talk and um to be honest really kind of went on so long about the golf talk because there's nothing else really positive to talk about i mean this weekend we saw the or early you know from saturday to monday we saw the death of two hugely um established um notable influential uh, African-American icons in their respective industry. And the first one is um, actor Chadwick Boseman. Right? He starred in Black Panther, 42 or two of his most famous movies. Now, I'm not a superhero movie person, no matter what the context, so... That's one I have not seen that might be a little crazy, but I just have not seen that one yet. But I'm definitely going to give it a chance this weekend. I'm assuming I'm going to like it just because, I mean, it's not that I don't even like superhero movies. It's just they don't do that much for me. But I have seen 42, and he did a tremendous job in that role. And... Of course, he was an extremely talented actor and a very likable person. You know, he seemed to be revered by the community in all aspects. I don't know why my parents are yelling. Sorry if you heard that. But, um, lost my train of thought. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, but the his character isn't what my biggest takeaway from the entire thing was I mean sucks to lose someone like that but it's crazy to me how long he went about 
his daily life, you know, going about his business, being good at it, not even just being good at it, being great at it and exceptional at it without complaining and not telling anyone, you know, keeping his cards close to his chest and, you know, props to the people around him who didn't, you know, tell other people about what he was going through. Now, if you were unsure, he um, was diagnosed with, I think it was stage three colon cancer in 2016. So three and a half, four years ago, he had stage three cancer and he didn't shy away from doing his work. And it's not like he was doing um, sitcoms, right? Like, I, the perfect example for me comes to mind is Cheers, right? It's a show based upon the social group's interactions in a bar. One guy's Norm is always sitting at the bar. And I don't remember. Oh, it's Sam. Ted Danson plays Sam. He's the bartender, right? And the entire premise of the show is inside of this bar. He wasn't doing that stuff. I mean, Black Panther was a physically, you know, involved role. Like, he had to look the part. He had to do stunts and things like that. Not Maybe not stunts, but you know what I mean. He had to be physically involved in the shooting of this movie. And... For 99.99% of people going through cancer treatments, chemo and all everything else that comes along with that, you wouldn't be able to hide it, yet alone do it. Most of us would be like, I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm, I'm not doing well. I'm ill. And it's amazing to me how he just went along his business, you know, just kept going every day didn't complain about it and that's the, that's the, my biggest takeaway for me personally what I can learn from that whole story breaking and reading about it and kind of taking it all in was I fucking complain about everything and it doesn't matter how big or small it is and the real shame of it is I complain about everything that doesn't fucking matter everything everything's a complaint that's why I'm Costanza it's negative to neutral for me. It's rarely ever posit- positive or optimistic. It's always or pessimistic or just indifferent. And it shouldn't be like that. And Chadwick was a huge example of how to live your life. And we should look at that and take note of that and try to implement that into our daily lives, right? And it's not even that you have to, you know, be an influential person or be doing something extremely significant. It's just the attitude of which you bring to the table, right? He could have been the first person to, you know, give up, right? Stage three cancer four years ago. He could have been like, well, I don't have much time. I mean, I'm just going to live out the rest of my days doing whatever I want to do. 
It could be, I could live out the rest of my days feeling sorry for myself and wanting other people to feel sorry for me. He didn't give up. He just did his thing. Acting is what made him happy. And props to him for, you know, impacting in the acting world and all of us by watching his art. And... I mean, like I said, that's something that I will take away from that, you know, bringing positivity and energy and charisma to everything I do, or at least attempt to, and discard all the negative thinking. And it's something that everyone should do, not just people who have tendencies to be the opposite of that, if that makes sense. So, like I said, I mean, may he rest in peace and... That's only one of two. And this, I'm going to wrap up the show talking about um, John Thompson, legendary NCAA uh, basketball coach, Coach Georgetown Hoyas. And he was the first African-American coach to win a national title game. And honestly, I don't know how many have since. And he's coached a ton, a ton of basketball players throughout his long tenured career at Georgetown. This includes Allen Iverson, the story I'm going to tell here and kind of um, tie this segment all together. Um, Pat Ewing, I can go on and on and on, but... I want to share, I was um, scrolling through Instagram at work Monday morning and I saw a testimonial at a speech, the uh, Allen Iverson's Hall of Fame induction speech. He told a story about how coach John Thompson saved his life and I was like, hmm, I don't know if I've ever heard this story before and I might have been very sheltered when it came to hearing about this story, but I will share it anyways. Now, I am reading a story posted on NBCSports.com. How former Georgetown coach John Thompson Jr. saved Allen Iverson's life. I said coach a little goofy there. I said coach. Sorry. Excuse me. Allen Iverson was one of the most hyped two-sport athletes. High school recruits, and I'm not going to read it all. That's stupid. Um, Iverson was like a fucking stud football and basketball player in in high school, right? And like he was getting recruited all over the place for both sports. I mean, most people don't even get recruited anywhere for one sport, let alone everywhere for two. But um, he was from Virginia. And he got involved in a bowling alley brawl. That's what the article calls it. His future was changed forever and potential college suitors became limited. It was an incident that exemplified the racial divide in that Virginia town, which the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary No Crossover detailed so well. And, um, I mean, he got into some trouble and... John Thompson was willing to give him another chance. Um, Trying to skim here. 
I want to read the story of what happened, not just like the news fallout. Oh, shit. Let me change it real quick. Um, let me see. Jake, you're dumb. Just go to Wikipedia. Isn't this fantastic radio? I love when the article I pick doesn't even work. Right? Doesn't even like have any context to what I want to talk about whatsoever. And then I ramble on while I am typing the new one on my phone. And I think for the most part I do a pretty good job of that. But it has to be. Holy shit, Alan Iverson has twenty five thousand career points. Unreal. Okay. Um Early life. There you go. Jail. There you go. On February 14, 1993, Iverson and several of his friends were involved in an altercation with several other patrons at a bowling alley in Hampton, Virginia. Allegedly, Iverson's crowd was... I don't even know how to say that word. Rambunctious would be another way of saying that word. And had to be asked to quiet down several times. And eventually, a shouting duel began... With another group of Utes, Utes, as Joe Pesci would say in My Cousin Vinny, great flick. Shortly after that, a fight erupted, pitting the white crowd against the black crowd. During the fight, Iverson allegedly struck a woman in the head with a chair. He and three of his friends, who were also black, were the only people arrested. Iverson, who was 17 at the time, was convicted as an adult of the felony charge of maiming by mob, a rarely used Virginia statute that was designed to combat lynching. Many people around the Virginian area believe the incident to be a product of racial prejudice. The brawl was with a group of white uh, Pocosin high school students. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. I'm not from Virginia, so I wouldn't know. Also, a videotape surfaced of the incident shows Iverson leaving shortly after the fighting began. Iverson said of the incident, For me to be in a bowling alley where everyone in the whole place know who I am and be cracking people upside the head with chairs and think nothing going to happen, that's crazy. And what kind of a man would I be to hit a girl in the head with a damn chair? I'd rather have him say I hit a man with a chair, not no damn woman. They waited eight months to try Iverson as an adult, and the lead detective lied on the stand about telling Iverson to take pictures when he went down to the courthouse. The court initially said that Iverson maimed three people, which is usually a 60-year sentence. Iverson drew a 15-year prison sentence with 10 years suspended. After Iverson spent four months at Newport News City Farm, a correctional facility in Newport News, he was granted clemency by Virginia Governor Douglas Wilder, and the Virginia Court of Appeals eventually overturned the conviction in 1995 for insufficient evidence. This incident and its impact on the community is explored in the documentary film No Crossover, The Trial of Allen Iverson. Um, it goes on to say that they wanted to make an example out of him. Only defendants not given bond or capital murderers. And yeah, this was definitely has some racial connotations to it. But um, in any case, he lost all of those um, athletic offers, of course. I mean, he could have done a lot less to lose a lot of those offers. A lot of those offers. But... The video I watched is him speaking at his um, Basketball Hall of Fame induction, excuse me, 
and it's a, he's you know he's really emotional about it because I mean as a 17 18 year old kid I mean you're looking at a long time in prison just as your life is beginning really and I mean your almost imminent livelihood of being a professional athlete disappears just because you were at the wrong place or the right place wrong time wrong place or wrong time however you want to word it right but um the coach gave him a chance right because i mean think about it even if you um were innocent of any wrongdoing in a situation like that surely the national attention that this case got and even being associated with someone who was involved definitely has some negative repercussions that's regardless of any racial undertones that were clearly based in they were factored in in the three four paragraphs that i read i mean that was clear i mean if you know if i were to get in a shouting match at a bowling alley and it wasn't on camera and I was detained, I would be able to post bail, and the pro- it would probably be a much smoother process in the trial, especially if I did not commit a capital crime, which he did not. Um, yeah, in any case, though, I would lose any perspective offers I had, and this Georgetown coach gave him a chance to play college hoops, right? Just John Thompson was like, well, you get a shot. I mean, got to make it work. And that's what he did. And then the rest is kind of history there. Allen Iverson, you know, undersized point guard. I think he was only 6'1". It's a killer, right? One of the best point guards to ever lace him up. 26 points per game, career score, Hall of Famer, incredible talent. And, I mean, that wouldn't have happened if one coach didn't inspire or aspire to, you know, change people's lives. And that's kind of my moral with, you know, Chadwick Bozeman and John Thompson here is um, it's kind of inspired the... Mm-hmm. title of the episode too um and it even ties back to the message i was um preaching about on the last podcast right about being a good person these two people here more john thompson than anything you know being a coach and being in a, especially a college coach, I mean, being a professional football coach is one thing, or a professional basketball coach. Being a professional college coach is such, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, um, it's such an, influ- you're such an influential person in these young men and women's lives because they're at a time where, I mean, they come out, or they come to you in a program, they're still kids. I mean, not by the letter of the law in most cases. They're 18 years old. But they're adolescents. And, you know, some of them are still in puberty, some late puberty stages. They're still growing. They're still mm-hmm. developing and learning about the world. And it is your job to mold them into young men or women and prepare them 
for the real world. Teach them lessons about the real world. How to conduct yourself in the right manner. It's such a character building aspect. And which is so unique to sports. And, and high school coaches get it a little bit too. But it's not the same. Because college is such a strange transitional period. And they have to do it pretty much on their own. It, it's such an honor to be able to do that. And the way Coach Thompson did that for so many years is, you know, inspiring. It's the same for guys like Dean Smith, Roy Williams, Coach Krzyzewski, Jim Beheim. You would say Rick Pitino, but no. Um, Tom Izzo. All these legendary coaches. Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, guys like that. Not the scandalous ones. But, I mean, even with football, there's an element to that, too. And I feel like football prepares you more for the hardships in life and Basketball, too. I mean, every coach goes about their lessons in a different way. But these, especially um, those ACC coaches, right? They're all legends of the game. Think of Bobby Knight, too. Legends of the game. They've been there forever. And every guy who plays for them says, like, they made me a better man, right? Any Duke player says that about Coach K, whether it's like blackmail or not. I mean, that's like part of my takes joke. It's hating on Coach K. But they have nothing bad to say about him because they respect, you know, the character building that goes into that. And them being in such a position to where they have such influence over so many people's lives and them doing a good job at it is inspirational admirable Mm -hmm. and that's kind of my lesson here is i kind of got a little sidetracked there but just being a good person isn't always enough that's the bare minimum right you need to inspire aspire to inspire right make the world around you a better place change implement change in your life and help that carry on to other people's lives. Inspire them. Aspire to inspire them. That's where I'm going to leave that. So, thanks for listening to today's show. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Jake Sawinski8, at J A K E S A W I N S K I 8. Been pretty irregular with the podcast release schedule, like I said. I'm going to try to get back. I don't know. It's a holiday weekend, too, upcoming. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, maybe. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe. I don't fucking know. We'll try to get the ball back onto the path. It hasn't gone off the rails. Getting one out a week. But, hey, that's bare minimum, right? So should change that. So, Oh, Nuance Magazine. They do have their um, summer issue out. Check that out. I mean, Casey was on the show a couple months ago. Meaning to get him back on in the near future. Um, He's active on there. He's got a couple of buddies, you know, posting stuff on there all the time. It's really fucking cool, too. Like, they're way into it. It's insightful. It's just cool. Like, check it out. Follow them. Get involved with that. Super dope. So, talk to you guys next time. Peace.